so um, today is a super excited. Today is a super excited. So. Uh, well, at least I have been very excited. Um, and uh, when I'm excited, sometimes I'm going to lose. That is a very good picture, though. I can't even describe what it is because apparently it doesn't go through up the project. Um, this is, a, for me, this is a, the chapter where everything comes together, where uh, things I've been referencing the whole time uh, really comes together, and we see this beautiful. Uh, beautiful climax to the story. And uh, so sometimes when I get excited, I'm, uh, I'm not so good at following my outline. So if I say something and it goes quiet a bit, I'm just trying to find my host. Um, so, uh, so today it's actually chapter 42. Uh, last week we ended with chapter uh, 40, 41. <laughs> that one. Uh, uh, so, uh, so here we have the structure. So over here, we're now at the end. Uh, we've had the thought through this whole thing, we had the speeches, we had uh, Andrew, we had guys, and now we have the, uh, we are running out the, uh, the end of the story. But from last week, God is in the middle kind of asking Job all these questions, where Job, he has, no chance of answering these questions. And some of was, the two big ones was, will you even put me in your home? God is asking Job. And he also asked, would you commit, condemn me that you may be right? Those are some of the big, big questions God is asking Job. And God does, God does that after he showed how powerful he is in creation, how powerful he is in these animals that we talked about last. And Job, uh, he, doesn't have a, he doesn't have a response. He doesn't repent, but he puts his hand on his mouth and he says, I'm very low, I can't answer these questions. But, uh, but then what happens today? Oh, oh I have this long introduction. Now let's uh, let's read the text first. Let's read, let's, let's read the text together first. So let's read. Job answered, the Lord said, I know you can do all things, and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore I uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Here and I will speak, I will question you, and you will make it known to me. I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now I see you, and therefore I despise myself and repent dust and ashes.
After the Lord had spoken these words to Job, the Lord said to Eliphaz the Tittite, My anger burns against you and against your two friends, for you have not spoken to me what is right, as my servant Job has. Now therefore, Adam, therefore take seven bulls and seven rams and go to my servant Job and offer up a burnt sacrifice, burnt offering for yourself. And my servant Job shall pray for you, and I will accept his prayer, and not deal with you according to your folly. But you have not spoken of me what is right, as my servant Job has. So Elphaz the Timnite and Bildad the Shunite, and so far the Nahamatite went and did what the Lord had told him, and the Lord accepted Job's prayer. And the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he had prayed for his friends. And the Lord Job gave Job twice as much as he had before. Then came to him his brothers and sisters and all who had known him before and ate bread with him in the house. And they showed him sympathy and comfort for all the evil that the Lord had brought on him. And each of them gave him a piece of money and a ring of gold. And the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. He had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 female donkeys. He also had seven sons and three daughters. He called the name of the first daughter Jeremiah, and the next, and the name of the second Kiesha, and the name of the third Kihankur. And in the land there was no woman as beautiful as the daughters of Job, and their father gave them inheritance among their brothers. And after this, Job lived 140 years and saw his sons and his sons, fourth generation. And Job died an old man and full of days. And then this is the word of glory. Wow, what an amazing, what an amazing, what an amazing story we entered in so long ago. Uh, I'll just, I'll just, I'll have to describe the picture for me. It's, it's Job on his knees, repenting to God. That's a, I was uh, preparing today and I was uh, just reflecting a little bit about what are some of the things our culture would have would have against this, especially the suffering. And so I was just discussing with myself, and I will let you in on this discussion of what I think our culture thinks about suffering. We've talked a little bit about it earlier. Well, in the West, Western culture where I grew up, suffering is something to avoid at all costs. We build our lives to avoid all sorts of suffering. We've tried to make a life where suffering is not there. Also in the culture I grew up in, we don't know how to grieve well. We kind of pretend that the, the death does not exist as well. But what, if life is all about avoiding suffering, then what about you? What about all the first believers? And also believers today who give their lives to follow Jesus. What about Jesus who gave his life for us? 
He went into a life of suffering. In this culture, grief removes suffering, or tries to remove it. The thing is, it's going to happen all the time. Actually, something I just thought about now is that, that now people may not suffer physically, but I think that actually shows that people are going to suffer psychologically. People don't suffer in their body, but now they suffer psychologically. And now also people, in this culture, people are now suffering when they, they, we have this culture where everybody gets offended about everything. And also in this, I think people take on suffering because they, because of their feelings are hurt that they feel like they're suffering. So now it's, it's gone up to well, how does my emotion and my psychology feel? But I think there is no, the way the state of the world is today, there is no way we can go through life without suffering. So we have to talk about what is it and what does it do? And is it even healthy to avoid all suffering? And is it even a call for us to do that as well? Because then what happens when people are suffering with a disease? If we have if we removed that from our culture, well then how can we sit with somebody who is suffering? How can we try to understand the person that's suffering? When all, all we have, have done is try to avoid that as something evil. Could that also explain some of our culture's lack of peace? to just sit with people, to enter into people's suffering. Does this actually show that our culture has the same view that Job's friends had about what life should be? That if I do A, B, and C, God has to give me B, C, have to give me this. Have our life been so shaped by this culture that we also believe that all suffering is bad? And then I talked one time before that I think what the manifestations of the no suffering in our in our body will then people start running marathons, all marathons. They start climbing mountains. Well, why would we do that if we're trying to avoid suffering? Suffering does something. 
I was thinking, does suffering actually give us sometimes a clear view clear view of how God sees something? Does us entering into suffering with Christ actually gives a, give us a more accurate picture of how things are? Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we also have obtained access by faith into his grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, but God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, whom He has given to us. Paul's explaining what suffering can do. Suffering is not always evil. Suffering can actually do something in us. And the question is, isn't that also what we see in Job? That suffering is not with no cause, it is not for no reason. It has a very specific purpose. So maybe it's not really good to have a culture that removes all suffering for all costs. Because how could we ever enter into following Jesus? When, when Jesus says, in this life it wasn't trouble, but I'll be with you. But it's not life without trouble and suffering. How can we be in? Because when we look at it, we, we know Romans 8, 28, at some point it's all going to work out good for those who love and serve God. But, but what about the suffering? Uh, what about the first disciples that are worshiping God because they were with me, because they were counted worthy of suffering? If we will, I was just going to challenge because if we, we are, if we, if we are going to always avoid suffering, but well, we're also going to avoid actually living out our lives with Jesus. We're going to try to avoid talking about Jesus because maybe at the work somebody's not going to like us. Maybe somebody's going to ridicule us. All those things that are real. But if we will try to eliminate all forms of suffering from us, we can't live out our lives for Jesus. Because we live in a world that's not going to just accept what we believe. And the evil and the, or the suffering might even in this case here also, and also with Job, help us see God clearer. Endurance, character, hope, Something that's shaped through molding, through fire, 
So I just had, Lord, help us see the world and what happens through your eyes and not make up something that all suffering and all costs is always bad. But what if God's doing something in the suffering? Now, I should have, I should have, I should have brought the picture, but the, imagine two, uh, two squares. One is a square where God is put in a square underneath justice, and one is a square where this is God and justice is inside, is inside God. That's sometimes how we can view the world wrongly. We say, well, I don't think this is just, and put justice above who God is. But the real picture is God is the box. And inside, there is justice. But God always determines what, what justice is. Now I just wanted to try to just, okay, what is it that sometimes, why is this actually an issue? What is it that sometimes goes wrong when we think, I even had a conversation with Kaina, and we're like, there's something that doesn't seem right. And it, and, and it doesn't seem right. It's a terrible situation. I'm not going to say what it is, but it doesn't seem right. It's a situation where it doesn't seem right, it seems like it's not just, it seems like it's unfair, like why would this happen to this person? I think we have the book of Job, and I think we have this power. It's not our job to say, God, this is unfair. What is our job? To humbly say, God, I don't understand. But you are God. We come to this part. I mean, I think it's just, wow, it's so amazing. I read book, boom. Like, um, God stops speaking and Job speaks, and he speaks totally different than last time. Now, now Job is convinced totally different than he was last week. He, he is probably still on his knees. He falls and he says, he confesses. You can do all things. No matter what, your purpose cannot be changed. And I said, we can stop here, we can just explore that for many weeks. But we're not going to do that. But he, he, he acknowledges God's almightiness and all powerfulness. There's nothing that can stop God, and there's nothing impossible with God. And this is where, does this grip our heart? There's nothing impossible for God. A man and a woman got a child when they were 100 years old. Abraham Sarah. Gabriel comes to the word of the virgin. She's like, how am I going to get a child? Is anything impossible with God? Jesus has talked, talks about money and the rich young ruler. And the, and they get <laughs> The disciples get scared because they're like, well, the rich people can't be saved, and who can't be saved? And Jesus says, nothing, nothing is impossible for God. Well, he says what's impossible for man is possible with God. Here we get confronted ourselves because do you believe that? And not just up here, but do you believe that 
in all of who you are. Because also like what Kalim was saying, do we believe that God can intervene in everything in part of our lives? Do we have this uh, this thing of course God can do it. Of course he can do it. Or do we have over here theoretically, yes, of course God can do everything. But in my everyday life, when I wash the dishes, when I go to work, when I respond to conversations with people, do I believe that he, he can do all things? Do I believe that he can do all the things that we cannot do? Do we even ask him to do those things? Do we trust that he will do this? Can we ask him in a pra practical sense? When we study, when we have free time, or do we think God has some kind of limit? What is the what is our heart's attitude? Is it God, you are so awesome. Everything is possible for you. I think if we live that out, I think we will experience God in a, in a different sense and we will have some peace and we will have more joy and I think we have less stress in our lives when we don't trust ourselves so much in all the things that we need. But we trust the God who actually can do it. And it gives us freedom not to be God, but actually trust God. Then Joe, he responds again and says, I'll take everything back I've said because I did not know what I was talking about. This is Joe referencing all the things when he accused God about what God was doing. And then I, I, I did not understand. I thought I understood, but now I see clearly I don't understand. God has shown who Job, who he really is. And the concepts, the concepts of Job had of who God was is now going away. And the view of who God really is is coming up. I spoke, I spoke to you like I didn't believe what you were doing. But it was me that didn't know what you were doing. And I did not trust you had a plan no more. Job says, he just said you can do all things. And in contrast, here Job says, I spoke of things I did not understand. He, this is a big contrast of who God is and who Job is. This next part, this is the, where my head explodes. <laughs> and I think it's the very key verses of the whole of the whole book. And it, it brings up like an explosion of emotions inside and many reactions and emotions. And I Reflected and studied, and how can we even, how can we describe this? this I think it's so beautiful, and although I'm not so much understanding all the poetry, but the poetry arrives at the end with verse six. Uh, but it's, it is, it is this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing that is also carried through the Bible. Job says, "I had heard of you by the hearing of my ear, but now my eyes see you." This is poetic because Job does not see God. He sees a big will like, 
life for Job, as we have learned, uh, all we know about Job is that from the very beginning we meet Job, he's a very committed religious man who has an idea about who God was. And he's very faithful to that idea. He's very faithful to that God. He lives a very upright life. He sacrifices to God. He, uh, uh, he, he does all the things that he believes God wants him to. Even when all the disasters happen, what does he do? Job arose, he tore his robe, he shakes his head, he fell on the ground, and he worshiped God. And he said, naked I came from a Muslim, and naked I shall return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job did not charge God with We see how his view of God, he takes it all the way, he worships. In this God's victory over Satan, Job does not just become some pawn in some spiritual play like most people at a just cursory reading would say, oh, but they're just playing with Job. No, no, no. Job is sufferings and sufferings and calamities. He is met with God when Job needs him the most. God does not explain why it's happening. But in Job's answers, we can see that Job was a changed man. God showed Job who he really is. Not just somebody Job had heard about, but who God really is. As righteous as Job was, we can say metaphorically, he was blind, and now God made him to see God fully, or more clearly. I've heard about you, but now I see. I notice myself, I feel like I'm crazy, because I think it's such, it occurred, it, it, it creates in me everything all of us means. We were once blind, and now we see. Do we see who God really is? Do we really know Jesus? Is Jesus Lord and Savior and King? Or do you know about Jesus? Did you grow up in church maybe? Or you've heard people talk about Jesus? Like some person in history, like Napoleon and Lincoln, you can mention other ones. Is, are they conceptual? Are they? Or did God show up in your life? You might, you might have been seeking and strong. You might even have had a wrong view of God. But now, but now, no, but how? But how is it that we see God? We see the God. Last part of the response. When God is shown, Job who he really is. Job gets the right view of who he is and who God is. And his only response is, 
Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. That's what we do and see. We look at Job's response. When we see who God is, anyone who even sees anyone or has any understanding or any, any spiritual being in the Bible, they fall on their faces. We have Isaiah, I'm dead. Moses, he's just the back. When we see who God really is, we know who God is. And we fall onto the ground. We see how wonderful it is, and we see how little we are. We respond in repenting, in getting a right view of who we are, God is. And the reason why I talk about so much about suffering instead in the beginning is trying to provoke us to think about are the things we are thinking about wrongly. And here us also if Job has lived a whole life, well, he's not that old, but though some people say he's 70, but if he's lived that committed to God. But he really, really needed God to show up so he would really see who he is. What about us? I would say we all need these encounters with God all the time. We need them here when we're together as his brothers and sisters and we're worshiping. We need them to worship in song. We need them to God to meet us in our prayer times. We need God that he's that we have these encounters with who he is all the time. We need to be reminded. And I'm, thank I'm so thankful for you guys. I've said it many times, I'm so thankful for you guys that we can come together and worship. Personally, though, when, when, uh, when Black Lake sings something, I was like, no, not this song. And then I started crying. Because God reminded me about who he is. First I was like, oh, not this song. But when it said, who God is, I am the God of angels and He met me right there and says, this is who I am. This is who I am. Can you stop thinking that you have to fix everything? <laughs> this is what I'm talking about, that we get these together in worship, <coughs> at home, in prayer, that God meets us. That he comes to us, that we believe that he's there, that we believe that he actually wants to be with us. And we keep having these encounters so that we can live the Christian life. Of course, this is the time when we want to that together in prayer and worship and listen to his word and hearing who he is, that he can show us who he is. Enjoying his creation, encountering one another, seeing God in one another, doing our job, enjoying and seeking to glorify Jesus, we can encounter who God is. But we probably sometimes forget that Jesus is always there. He said, I will never leave you or forsake you. 
The question is probably more to us is that we, are we aware that God is right here through His Holy Spirit that's poured out on us as a gift? As we read about in Romans. Are we aware? Are we aware that He can show us all the time who He is? That we can stop being blind and then we can see I think we have a tendency to become blind when we rely on ourselves more than we rely on God's. Job's response is like, what else should be? Lord, I, I do not, I hate myself compared to you. I turn to your friend and I'm comforted because you are holy. Uh, the repentance, some smart people said that, they, that also actually means that in the repentance he is comforted by who God is. I asked for forgiveness, I spoke, I acted like I was God, but you are only God. And that time, it was a time when you turned and put sacrifices on ashes. For us, it's a symbol that we break our hearts. We have a contrite heart, and we have this verse. Oh Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare you praises. For you delight in sacrifice, for you did not delight in sacrifice, and oh, I will give it. For no will you be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are as a broken spirit and a contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. But you might say, I've never done that. If you're online and you're here, you've never done that. I've never humbled myself before God. I've never ask Jesus to be my Lord God and Savior. Or maybe I only did it when I became a Christian. I've never done that since. Well, maybe it's a time that we encourage one another to actually do this. Encourage us to draw near to God, to, to help each other to say that He is near. He is near. He is God. We are all dependent on God to keep us, to teach us through His Holy Spirit. To comfort us, to give us power to live this Christian life. And I believe the book of Job has been teaching us, teaching us that. That God is there when we don't think He's there. God has a plan when we don't think He has a plan. And therefore, we can choose to trust the Almighty. Look to Jesus, the mediator, the redeemer, our Emmanuel, God with us. God saved us from God's wrath. From God to God. God made us a new creation in Christ that we can worship and praise Jesus for all the Almighty has done. Do you know what? I'm going to stop here and we're going to continue next week because I just got halfway and we're already past, way past the time. Then I know what we're doing next week. Um, so it's great. I was so excited that I spent all my time. But no, I, I, if there's anything, anything, I, I just want to go back, meditate on these four and five. I uh, no. Yes. I have heard of you by the ear, but now my eye sees you. 
Job has in this encounter with God that's not a spiritual chess game, but God has set this up. He's created Job in a certain way, but he's going to come and do what only God can do. Meet him in his greatest need and show him who he is. We have seen that in Jesus Christ's coming. In our greatest need, when we are lost in darkness, God sends us a Savior. All it takes is for us to humble ourselves that we're not God. God is repent and turn to Him. So that's my plea for you all there or here. It's available in Jesus Christ. And for you guys who, now we get the same ending as all of that, for you guys who know this is real, Let's encourage one another and, and, and rejoice and enjoy this that we have actually seen. Let's, that's why we have testimony time. We have seen who he is. And Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you for my excitement and <laughs> that even went super long. Um, God, thank you that you saved people today. You were there with Job the whole time. You came and you comforted him. You still do that. Help us. Help us encourage one another with that. You're still almighty. God, you're still on the throne. Jesus, you're right there interceding for us. Please help us make it real every day. For me, for my friends here, people online, that it's not just a theoretical concept that you can do all things, but you actually can and you are with us. Lord, we thank you and we praise you for it. I praise for brother and people watching that don't know you are convict right now. Holy Spirit, draw. Will this be a day that people get to meet you and your salvation? May you show them who you really are. Grant them repentance and joy in who we are in Jesus. We thank you and we praise you for this time together. It's all be to your glory and honor. Jesus.